Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from Psalm 51, verse 1, which says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. My goodness, what a good verse this is. We're asking the Lord to have mercy upon us, and of course, without the Lord's mercy, where will we be? We deserve hell. We deserve to pay for our own sins. And yet, because the Lord Jesus came and died for our sins on the cross, our sins are blotted out as we put our faith and trust in Him. As we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So His mercies are upon us. And He does love us. And He does care for us. And He does meet our needs. And He does have a tender mercy. And He does blot out our transgressions. What a great God we have. It's so wonderful to be free of our sins so that we can live a righteous life, so that we can commune with the God who loves us. We can come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And we can sense his presence and his blessing upon our lives. What a great opportunity we have to follow and to live with the Lord Jesus. radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Eddie and Carrie Ramos, who are presently serving in the Dominican Republic. And uh, God has led them together and has used them in a mighty way. And we're going to find out more about their ministry today. And Carrie, why don't you tell us about the ministry at the school and maybe some of the children that you both have had an influence over? Okay, our school is called Colegio Caminito de Jesus. That translates as Pathway to Jesus School. It's in Santiago, Dominican Republic. Um, Our school is currently serving about 250 kids from two years old to sixth grade. 
Most of the kids at our school would otherwise be in the public school system in the Dominican Republic. The public school system down there is very poor, and so the kids there do not get quality education. So our ministry is twofold. It is one, to reach out to the lower economic neighborhood and reach out to those kids and give them a quality education. And it is also to reach those kids and their families and tell them about Christ and bring them to Christ. And so um, being with those kids every day gives gives us a lot of opportunities to um, witness to them, to counsel parents and families, and to share with them about the love of Christ. So a lot of our students come from very difficult home situations and so um, definitely need to learn about the love of Christ and and being brought to Christ is something that could change their lives. One student that we were able to reach their family is a little girl, her name is Monica. And she was in our four-year-old classroom. As part of her Bible curriculum, she participated in danza. Danza is the word in Spanish that's used in the Bible for um, a type of dance that is worship. Um, It's a respectful form of worship through dance. She had the opportunity to participate in that as part of our Bible curriculum in our four-year-old preschool room, and she loved it. She took to it, and she lit up learning danza. There was a noticeable change in her behavior and her attitude and her face. You could just see it. And she would go home, and she would sing the songs, and she would practice her danza at home. And so when her mom and her grandma came to parent-teacher conferences that year, they talked to the teacher and they said, what, what is happening with Monica? Because she's, she's changed. And um, she prays before she eats. She prays before she goes to bed. And we've just noticed a change in her. And so that gave us the perfect op- opportunity to witness to her mother and to her grandmother and tell them about Christ and tell them about Jesus and share with them about the gospel and talk to them about salvation. And it was so amazing to me how God can use even the smallest of children to to reach their own families, their own parents, and and to be witnesses to their families as well. Yeah, that's a really, uh, really a wonderful story. We're so thankful that you've had the opportunity to, to minister there and uh, be there. Eddie was the administrator there for, for several years. Eddie, do you have any stories you'd like to share with us? Bueno, una de las historias de varias. One of the stories out of many Fue un niño cuando yo estaba dando educación física was a child from when I was teaching um, PE tenía alrededor de cuatro años cinco años he was four or five years old él me preguntó tío Eddie he asked me uncle Eddie quién es Dios who is God y, y me dio la oportunidad de explicarle quién era Dios and it gave me the opportunity to explain to him who God is Después de eso, él comunicó quién era Dios a sus padres. And after that, he went home and he talked to God with his parents, about a, God to his parents. Y a fin de año, los padres me dieron un gran abrazo. And at the end of that school year, his parents came to me and they gave me a big hug. Y realmente me sentí uh, orgulloso. And I felt very proud. De saber que honramos a un Dios. To know that we honor a God que puede trabajar en la vida de los niños y de los padres. Who can work in the lives of children and their parents. Y eso marcó mi vida también. And that touched my life as well. Well, 
Well, that is a good story. Thank you for sharing that. Now, Eddie, you were the uh, administrator there. Um, you were actually uh, taking care of the day-to-day operations and watching over the finances. Is that what your job was? Yes. Uno de mi trabajo era mantener todo en orden prácticamente. My work in general was just to keep everything in order. Y lidiar o um, resolver algunos de los problemas. And to be a leader and to resolve some of the problems that came up as well. And now you've actually uh, trained others to even take over your position there and, and to uh, and it frees you up so that you can go to another ministry. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we'll find out more about uh, your new ministry next week. The Lord bless you. We're so thankful for the way that uh, you've been able to minister to so many needy kids and um, bring them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you. For Thank sharing. You. Thank you so much for listening to Canon's National Bible Hour. We appreciate all those who listen and pray and write in and tell us about their experience and tell us about how our broadcast is meeting needs in their lives. It's always a wonderful blessing to receive letters from those who hear our broadcast. And we trust that God will continue to bless you and pray for us and continue to support our ministries because as you're aware, this is a listener-supported ministry. This month, we're actually offering a wonderful, wonderful book that probably all of us need. It's entitled Trials, God's Refining Fire. And of course, all of us have trials and tribulations and difficult things to face each day. And one of the questions they ask is, do you ever feel like you're being tested? Have you ever wondered how much more you can take? When the heat of the trial has been turned up yet another notch, how can you hang on to hope? These are wonderful questions to ask. And in this booklet, you can discover how to face your trial positively. You can persevere through your trial patiently. You can finish your trial maturely. You can pray for wisdom consistently. And you can believe in God's answer confidently. Oftentimes, in ways we don't understand, God uses trials in our lives to cleanse us, purify our hearts. Trust Him to use each turbulent trial. He will showcase His faithfulness through your life It will give you peace throughout the process. I highly recommend this booklet. I think it will be a great blessing to your spiritual life. It will encourage you and it will help you in a mighty way and maybe in ways that you didn't realize. So please write in and get your copy of Trials, God's Refining Fire. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, one four two three one. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning, and the sermon is entitled "Faith Once Delivered." Printed copies are available upon request. In the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, he devotes the fifteenth chapter to a thesis on the doctrine of the literal bodily resurrection of the dead. He points out that the validity of the doctrine stands or falls on the accuracy of the claim that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The doctrine of the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the subject we want to address today as we continue the series of talks entitled, The Faith Which Was Once Delivered Unto the Saints. 
Thus far, we've discussed the verbal inspiration and divine preservation of the infallible and inerrant scriptures, the deity and sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ, and in our last talk, the vicarious blood atonement which Christ made to make possible the remission of our sins. Without shedding of blood is no remission, is God's clear and emphatic assertion. That's why our salvation required the shedding of Christ's blood as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Beware of anyone or any religion that tells you that you can obtain the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life apart from the atoning efficacy of Christ's blood shed for your sins when he died in your place on the cross. Recognize also that after you receive Christ as your Savior and receive forgiveness through him, you are still dependent on the cleansing power of his shed blood to keep you free from sin's defilement day by day. There is solid scriptural basis for the old hymn that Arthur Querngesser sang for us a few minutes ago. Through the blood of the cross I am redeemed from sin. But to be free from dross, Lord, I would enter in. Deeper yet, deeper yet into the crimson flood. Deeper yet, deeper yet under the sheltering blood. Now we turn our attention to what is the foundation stone on which the redemptive work of Jesus Christ rests. It therefore is also the foundation stone on which Christianity rests. That foundation is the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me read Paul's masterful summation of why this is so, as recorded in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be, that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Before we examine the evidence that supports the Bible's assertion that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead three days after his death on the cross, let us recognize how much hinges on the accuracy of this claim. Paul in his thesis enunciates four specific things. First, the credibility of the scriptures and of Christian witness. The Bible says Christ was literally resurrected from the dead. If he wasn't, the Bible isn't true. If it contains even one false assertion, it isn't the infallible word of God. The Christian witness of those who preach the resurrection of Christ as a cardinal doctrine affirmed in the scriptures is also discredited. Paul says, if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. 
And we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom ye raise not up, if so be that the dead rise not. 2. If Christ was not resurrected, his deity is called into question. First, because he said before his death that he would rise again. And second, because his literal bodily resurrection is one of the cardinal facts that sets him apart from all other men and bears witness to his deity. There have been many great religious leaders and teachers. Some of them were founders of great religions whose members and adherents number in the millions. But they're all dead. And because they were mortals and not divine, they remain dead and buried. And their followers have only their memories and their teachings. Christ was altogether different. Being divine as well as human, Death, in his case, was not the end of his living presence in the midst of those who receive him as their Savior. For he alone among all men was literally resurrected from the dead and is alive today and forever. God's invitation to you in the inspired scriptures is to come not to the religion of a prophet or teacher long since dead, but to come to a living divine person who, though crucified for your sins, was literally resurrected from the dead after he had paid in full the price of your redemption. 3. If Christ was not resurrected, all who have put their trust in him for their salvation have been deceived. As Paul says, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. And they also which have died trusting in Christ are perished. The basis of salvation is set out in the faith once delivered is that Christ died for our sins and the evidence that his substitutionary death fully met the demands of divine justice is his literal bodily resurrection from the dead because he could no more be holden of death once he had paid in full the price of our redemption. The scriptures further say he's able to save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. His role as our intercessor is dependent on him being raised from the dead after he had died in our stead and shed his blood of atonement for the remission of our sins. For the Bible's assurance that we will someday be resurrected from the dead is a false assurance if Christ was not raised. Paul goes on to say in his thesis, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That is, it is Christ's literal bodily resurrection that guarantees the resurrection of us all. No wonder the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the foundation stone on which the whole Christian faith rests and a cardinal doctrine of the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Let us now briefly summarize the great evidences and proofs of Christ's literal bodily resurrection. I direct your attention to six categories of evidence. 
First, his own testimony. Remember, he was the Son of God. Every word he spoke was absolute truth, for being God he could not lie. Before his crucifixion he foretold his death and declared that he would rise again. Matthew 16:21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and be raised again the third day. After his resurrection he appeared to his disciples and to dispel their doubts said unto them, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. 2. There is the evidence of the empty grave. Following Christ's burial, the scribes and Pharisees persuaded Pilate to seal the sepulchre with his own signet, and they placed a contingent from the temple guard to prevent the disciples stealing his body from the tomb. But on the third morning after his burial, the stone was found rolled away, and the grave empty, save for an angel of the Lord who said to the frightened women who made the discovery, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. 3. There is the evidence of the numerous eyewitnesses who saw and spake with him after his resurrection. Mary Magdalene, to whom he appeared in the garden as she left the empty sepulchre. The two on the road to Emmaus, whose hearts burned within them as he expounded unto them from the scriptures the things concerning himself. The ten disciples in the room in Jerusalem, when Thomas was absent, and the same group eight days later, when Thomas was with them, and when Christ said to him, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless but believing. He appeared to seven disciples on the shore of Galilee when they returned from a night's fishing. He told them to cast the net on the other side of the boat, and immediately it was filled with fish. He met and talked with them all on the day of his ascension, and opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, where they beheld as he slowly ascended into heaven. But there was even more witnesses of his resurrection. Paul says of Christ in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, and after that was seen of James, and then of all the apostles, and last of all, Paul says, he was seen of me. Certainly the number of eyewitnesses who saw and spoke with Christ after his resurrection leave no doubt that he returned from the dead. For further supporting evidence is the unfulfilled prophecies concerning Christ, which cannot be fulfilled unless he was resurrected from the dead. There are the numerous promises of his second coming to establish his millennial kingdom on this earth. His role as the future judge of nations foretold in Matthew 25, and his role as the judge of the unbelieving dead, 
when he takes his place on the great right throne, as described in Revelation 20, 11 to 12. None of these prophecies could be fulfilled if Christ's life terminated with his crucifixion. And yet all other prophecies concerning his role in events now history were fulfilled with literal exactitude. Five, a further evidence of his literal resurrection was the proof of his living presence back in heaven after his ascension, when in fulfillment of a promise he had made to his disciples after his resurrection, he sent the divine person of the Holy Spirit upon them at Pentecost as they waited in Jerusalem for the fulfillment of that promise. Peter's explanation to the amazed people who witnessed the phenomenon was that it was the resurrected Christ who had ascended to heaven, fulfilling the promise he'd made to them before he ascended. Finally, there is one great and irrefutable proof of Christ's resurrection that anyone who will may experience today. Through Christ's death in your place, his blood atonement for the remission of your sins, and his resurrection from the dead, God opened the door for you to come into a personal relationship with the living resurrected Christ. That is the good news of the gospel of the grace of God that, God willing, I want to discuss with you in detail in our next talk. But let me emphasize as we close Becoming a Christian is not a matter of subscribing to creeds or dogmas or turning over a new leaf or trying to reform your lifestyle. Genuine Bible Christianity is a matter of you coming by faith to the resurrected living Christ and receiving Him into your heart and life as your personal Savior and making Him the sovereign Lord of your life. Christ said in His prayer to God His Father, this is life eternal, that men might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. He further said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You don't need a dead religious prophet or teacher. You need a living Savior, able to save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I plead with you to come to the living divine Christ today as he says to you, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Have you opened your heart and life to him and invited him in to be our Savior and Lord? If not, will you do so today? I trust the message you just heard will be a great encouragement and blessing to you, and maybe some of the truths taught there will even help you throughout this next week. Here at Kansas National Bible Hour, we're so concerned about our listeners, but one of the things that you also are concerned about is not only the growth of believers, but also those who maybe listen to this broadcast and don't know Jesus Christ personally. You need to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. It's the only way to get into his presence. Jesus, when he was on earth, said, I'm the way. He's the only way. I'm the truth. He's the only truth. He's the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through, through the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us need a Savior because of that sin. God is a holy God, 
and he won't be in the presence of sin. And uh, that's why the Old Testament was really written to show the children of Israel uh, what things uh, would cause sin in your life. And then you'd have to make a sacrifice to uh, appease that sin to get yourself right with God and it, it required the shedding of blood. Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. He was a perfect sacrifice. Because he shed his own blood, we have the privilege of asking him to become part of our life. We acknowledge that we need a savior because we're sinners and we need him in our life so that we can have connection with the most high God. The verse that I came to faith in is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And I claimed that verse as a 12 year old and that verse changed my whole life. I've served the Lord for over 50 years now and God has blessed me and my family and our ministry to a great extent. Please write in and get your copy of Trials, God's Refining Fire. It will be such a blessing to your life, to your spiritual life. It'll help you grow. It'll help you have a new perspective. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also hear past messages on Canada's National Bible Hour by visiting our website.org. That was www.missiongo-radio.org. MissionGo is spelled M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O-Radio.org. You can also find us on your smartphone app. Uh, we are called MGO Radio. It's a Christian online radio station. Speakers you hear on Canada's National Bible Hour as well as others. And also have really good Christian music. And you can actually tune in all day and it will be a real blessing to you.